Welcome to the Brown Vegan Podcast, your source for starting a simple, delicious, and long-term vegan life. Subscribe to this podcast in iTunes for weekly tips and inspiring conversations with other vegans. Now, here's your host, Monique Koch. Hey, I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 30 of the podcast. I hope all is well. And of course, I'm back with another interview for you. This is actually going to feel more like an interview because I I know a lot of times I try to make it like more conversational and I'm just kind of sharing my experiences and I'm kind of kicking it back and forth with the other person. But I feel like this episode is such a treat because I have Elvis Garden on the show and and he's going to talk about how he was able to get his mother off of eight medications she was nearly on her deathbed when he decided to take care of her full time so i came across elvis because he was in one of the facebook groups talking about how he was able to get his mother off of medications and she had so many health issues and i was just of course so inspired by that story and i wanted him to come on the show to talk about it um but the thing is when we start talking i realized there was so much more to it and just than his mom's journey i found so much more about his own journey and how he discovered Um, veganism at a very young age and how he kind of went in and out of it because he was dealing with a lot of personal issues in his life and how that contributes to him being more compassionate for himself, for the animals, and just for other people as a whole. So I just think that this is just an amazing conversation and I'm so glad that he agreed to be on the show. You can get all of the show notes at brownvegan.com. He also has a Facebook group that I'll link there. It's called Vegan Talks. So I'll make sure that I'll link it directly on the blog post for you so that you can check that out. And if you're new to vegan life or maybe you're a vegetarian that's looking to transition some more vegan meals or you need more information, I did put together a free vegan starter kit and it has recipes and tips and resources, videos, all of that good stuff. So if you want to go ahead and get the Vegan Starter Kit, go to brownveganvip.com and put your email in so I can send that to you. Or you can, if you're walking or at the gym or wherever you're doing right now, I know that I like to listen to podcasts on the go. So you can actually text vegan kit, K-I-T, to 33444. So that is vegan kit to 33444 if you want me to go ahead and just send it to you via your email using text messaging. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into the chat with Elvis Garden. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much. So can you tell me, how did you get started on your vegan um, lifestyle? What year this was? Um, what year did this start and what was your motivation? <laughs> you hear me? What year this was? So, <laughs> so I have to tell you almost how old I am. <laughs> 50 in November. So I, oh man, um, I have quite a tumultuous journey with veganism and I am one of the very outspoken persons to tell you that it's not so paramount and so perfect a journey, Um, not for everyone and um, certainly not for me. And I'm pretty raw with, with my life and who I am. I don't hide anything. You know, I'm I'm just, I am who I am. And so when I was first introduced to the world of vegetarianism, it was in the summer of 1976. One of my cousins uh, was visiting. My dad had just passed away a couple months prior. And I was 10 years old. And my cousin came up to visit from uh, North Carolina. And she was much older than I, uh, probably about 12, 13, 14, 15 years or so. She was so wise, and she was dancing in the kitchen, and she had all these spices I had never smelled before, 
and she was vegetarian, and she was making these meals. And I believe at the time she was following the Rastafarian religion. And um, she opened my eyes to things that I had never known. Now, you know, to back up a little bit further than that, I've been in the kitchen since I was, um, oh, gosh, old enough to get on a step stool and follow my mom around. And she taught me everything, all the old school handheld gadgets and devices and sifters and this and that. And she's a country girl from North Carolina, you know. And um, so I was um, really blown away when my cousin came up and introduced me to this seemingly cleaner lifestyle. And instantly I fell in love with just the movement and the way that she was in the kitchen. So um, I took on vegetarianism for one year. And in a household of three older brothers, my oldest being uh, 11 years my senior, the next 10 years and the next seven, it was very difficult to maintain a vegetarian lifestyle. I had a better shot at it at school, in my grade school, than I did when I came home. After a year, I kind of faltered and just, you know, went back into whatever, but the seed had been planted. In about 1986 or so, I met a teenager, and I was back and forth, maybe 1987, back and forth. I was living in Manhattan on and off and coming back to New Jersey. I was recording, um, um, I was recording artist and, and working on music, and my mom was here in central Jersey, and, and I would come back and, you know, see about her. So I met some young uh, activist, and he enlightened me to veganism. And so uh, literally one, the next day, after listening to him, I could get it. I understood about the destruction of the rainforest in Brazil and, you know, that they were using all this land and tearing it down at rapid speeds to, to, you know, breed cattle and all that for McDonald's and all these places. And so it struck me, and I literally the next day woke up and never ate any meat or anything like that, um, any byproducts, any excretions, anything for the next 12 or 13 years. And this is where it gets hairy, and that's why this question is always a long-answered question. So um, I was traveling and going in and out of the country, and it was very difficult to find vegan uh, food, and it wasn't anywhere near as popular as it is now. It was a real struggle um, to uh, find food. Um, So when I was out, you know, in in Germany or places like that, there was, you know, there were no vegan restaurants, and I wasn't in a flat where I could actually make my own food and all that. So I eventually went backwards, went to Lacto-Ovo, and then had a personal trainer because I would do photo shoots and model for some some uh, photographers. He talked me, and it was more than that, into um, just kind of I, I completely spiraled backwards and ended up to to cut through the chase, being um, full on back into eating meat, back into eating crap, back into that darker energy, and I felt it. And that mm-hmm. went on for about twelve years, wow. and. It was a soul-searching experience because, you know, and this is where I get a little real, I, you know, I, I did come up in kind of a very abusive household. Um, there was domestic violence between my parents. My brothers were very uh, abusive towards me. And carrying that through and not ever really dealing with that, when you get to a certain place, you can't love anyone if you can't love yourself. So I had a lot of work to do that I really didn't realize. And I was in an industry that was so dog-eat-dog um, it was very difficult. At some point, I guess I just snapped, and I needed to really do a lot of work on myself because if I'm not going to love Elvis, how am I going to love an animal or the planet or you? 
You know? mm-hmm. And my relationship yeah. suffered and everything happened, you know, because being vegan is a very, it's a, it's a very macrocosmic um, 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 adventure or experience. It's not just about the food. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of being. It's a, it's a raising of consciousness. So I indulged in that. I indulged in substances and, and, and got, you know, really, I uh, just had an addictive personality and was really, really lost. And um, to cut to the chase, I, I, I did a lot of soul searching, had to hit some bottoms, and, you know, and I've been uh, clean and sober now for just about four years. So I, I really, and at that same time, all this stuff started to kind of flood back in. Now, during that time that I wasn't vegan, I was still interested in still doing things kind of in and out. So I wouldn't say that I, I wouldn't technically call myself vegan in those years or whatever. But what I did do was um, I kept up with all the information. So I was really getting into like um, cell food, uh, cell rejuvenation and all these really deeper things, not just a superficial level of, of food, but cellular on a cellular level. So all the information, all the things that I had uh, accumulated throughout the years um, when I was ready and the spirit called and I went back into it, I went back in with full force. And I also had a vegan catering business in that time that I was vegan. So it's about 13 years or so that I was a vegan and some of those years were vegetarian, a few of those years. Um, it was a very, very um, uh, interesting journey, which I absolutely have no regrets over. And I do hear some people sometimes say, well, if if somebody was, said they were a vegan and they stopped being vegan, they're never vegan and they weren't ever vegan. And that's sort of like, I don't agree with that because it's sort of like if you were an alcoholic for 20 years and you relapsed a few years, does that discredit all, credit all the years that you were, you know, uh, in remission or, or not active as an alcoholic? You know, I did do a lot of activism work. There are mental issues that can go on within a person's life, and I definitely had some uh, mental issues that were going on that really needed to be worked out. And fortunately, I worked them out, and now I'm, I'm paying it forward and giving back everything that I accumulated to everyone. Wow, this is an, this is an amazing journey for you. I think the thing that really, really stood out to me about your story is, I mean, uh, it was several things that stood out, but the one thing that really stood out is the fact that you were on this journey for so long, and then you were off for so long and came back. Because I know for a, I hear this so often. I tried it. I did it for a couple of years. It didn't work for me, so I'm never going back. I never hear about anyone actually, you know, deciding that it's not for them because of other things, that, you know, that are going on in their life, and then come back to it. That's why I'm really. I really love hearing that. So how how was that for you? I know that it was of course part of your your healing. It sounds like, and that's why it would led you back. But how? Wow, I don't even know what the question is. Well, the question I have. No, I I, <laughs> I, know, I know how to answer that for you. I know yes, how to go ahead. Tell you please. something. When I hear that, it saddens me because something was missing. In the same way that something was missing in my life and my spirit. I was very young when I when I took on veganism. I didn't understand the entire picture. It was really interesting because never did I say that it didn't work for me. I chose to stray away. It was wonderful mm. because I'll tell you, there were times, there were many times where I tried so hard to go back to that lifestyle. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. do it, and I realized in those moments how disciplined I was and what a window of an opportunity of a lifetime it was that I was ready at the time that it called me. 
So it was not that it didn't work for me or I got ill or this happened. Or that. None of that happened. I remember there were there were accumulation of things. One was I had a personal trainer who would just argue and argue, and he was an avid meat eater. And you've you got to have protein and that whole protein mix. And, like, and if you want these pictures to come out and you want your abs this way and you want your pecs and what, you know. And so we went back and forth, and I wasn't as versed in, in uh, physiology and the chemistry of that when I was dealing with him. Um, so there was that factor. There was also the factor of I just didn't really care who I was anymore. I mean, I was really in a dark place. So there was no way that I was going to be able to discipline myself. Um, 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 at that point, there were just things I didn't realize I was, like, going into. It was like, okay, now, you know, life is going to make you, you know, face it and, and see who you really are. The other thing was there were so many militant vegans at the time that it was very difficult for me to find my ground because mm-hmm. when I thought that I had found a certain space in time and I felt good, there was always somebody who was one-upping. Everyone has their own process. It's not about what mm-hmm. you do that works for you. and You can suggest to me, you know, but... You know, I would eat certain things. Oh, well, you shouldn't have those beans because, you know, those beans are really dead. Or I got, And it drove me crazy. I was already kind of an OCD type of person all up in my head. And that mm-hmm. made it so difficult for me. And when I thought, like, oh, now you're telling me I shouldn't be eating grains. Or now you're, and I couldn't. It was too much for me. It was too much. And I think I went on circuit <laughs> yeah. overload. Yeah, I went on. That would have pushed me out. But as far as the actual eating, I never felt cleaner. I felt superhuman. I had so much energy, and that's what I missed. So much mental and physical oh energy. My clarity was through the stratosphere when I was vegan. I look at it like this. I'm here to enjoy my life. I know what the margins, I know what the restricted areas are. I have no interest in animal products. I have no interest in chemicals. I have no interest in uh, animal uh, secretions or excretions, whatever you want to call it. I have no interest in those things. I was saying to a sister today, I was on the phone with, if I want to enjoy organic popcorn and have extra virgin uh, coconut butter on them, maybe a little bit of um, uh, nutritional yeast and watch a movie. Why shouldn't I be able to do that? I'm not living for restrictions. I was already oppressed when I, when, when, you know, I grew up suffering. And this is about Mm -hmm. living. This is about vibrations, high vibrations, electricity, um, feeding myself living things, sure. But what I believe in is balance. This is how I live. So to maintain a certain homeostasis, a certain, you know, uh, level of, of balance where you don't have to worry about all that stuff and you can enjoy yourself. In my opinion, in order for us to stay on this lifestyle long term, it has to be bigger than you. It can't just be necessarily for your health. Right. If it's bigger right. than you, I think it's easier to stay. Like, what are your views on that as far as um, from the animal rights perspective? I know you – actually, you did talk about the environmental because you were talking about the rainforest. Is that a big part of your lifestyle as far as the animal um, activism? It's everything. It's everything. Yes. And I'll tell you, this This is the deal. When I got back – when I went back into uh, – becoming vegan some can argue plant-based whatever whatever you want to call it until you start to you know really recognize it's not a diet and so forth and so on i understood all that but when i returned back into veganism it was for health reasons 
So it wasn't for vanity. There's a difference between, well, I want to fit into this suit or I want to fit into this thing for my wedding. And if that's even what it is, more power to you. Whatever it is for you, it is for you. It's one less animal sacrificed and one less, uh, you know, uh, person destroying the earth. There's uh, more water left over, et cetera, et cetera, because all the food and the water it takes to feed that cow that's going to be slaughtered for your meal, that takes Mm -hmm. up a lot of energy and a lot of volume. One of the hardest things for people to get rid of is the the dairy issue. And dairy has a drug in it, which is similar to heroin. Phagomorphin is um, a a natural drug that that is uh, through nature. It, It allows the calf or it causes the calf to crave its mother's milk. So now you have all these people drinking dairy and eating cheese and wondering why they can't let it go because they're on a drug. A lot, of, All of it is drug. A lot of the stuff, sugars, drugs, it's similar to cocaine, it's very similar makeup and all that stuff, symptoms and addictive uh, behaviors and all that stuff. So getting more on the target of what you had asked me, it's so important just to see because... Animals are really our friends. We don't have the right to dominate things. And for, you know, for whatever the reasons, man just has this, this, this hell-bent idea that we get to dominate everything that we come in contact with and we touch and we get to ruin it and it's okay because it's our oyster. And it's really not cool. And, and you know, my thing is being vegan, I tell people all the time, the world, you know, they're like, what are you going to eat? What are you going to do? I'm like, look, the world is my my mushroom oyster, you know, and and there's more choices in the world of vegan. It's a garden out there. There, I can yeah, eat yeah. different things every day of the year, and and I love being creative that way. Um, there's a lot of things going on. I am um, a full time carer with my mom. She's 88. She has Alzheimer's or dementia. And I have a business that I run. I have um, very loyal clients and needy clients. Fortunately, with the work that I do, I can go and work a few hours, make good money, come home, and be able to spend time with my mom that I love. Your mom is actually how I noticed you. Um, I think I was mm-hmm. on initially on one of those uh, Facebook groups, and I saw you talking about your mom and how you were making sure that she had a lifestyle of life and her food. And I was like, oh, sis, what's going on here? So tell us more about that. Tell us about your experience of getting your mom on your plant-based um, journey. Mom was in a facility. Uh, she, uh, she was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's in 2007. And I moved back home in 2008 to live with her and take care of her. And it got very heavy. And in those times, it was even rougher because she was wandering and not sleeping. It was deep uh, sleep deprivation. I was working in Manhattan. I didn't have my own practice at the time. And I was working at a very um, 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 prestigious company, making great money as a massage therapist in New York and, you know, commuting back and forth from Jersey to New York. I had, um, you know, um, um, home aids. I had her in adult daycare and the whole shebang. Her diet was horrible then, um, and she was on a lot of medications and so forth and so on. So long story short, I put her in a facility. She got, uh, she was fine for a little bit. She was always kind of overweight. Um, then she drastically lost weight. Um, I brought her home because I saw a decline in her, I, more so in her spirit. And... Uh, they told me she was, you know, in the last stages of uh, Alzheimer's, just prepare for the worst, and they know that I do a great job taking care of her and all that stuff that they feel that they give you. So she 
she lost about 55 pounds in probably five months. And I'm freaking out because I had done my research and I'm like, oh my God, she's going to starve to death. Is that, this is not going to be a pretty ending. You know, I can't. And so what happened though uh, was that I realized that when I would bring her up green smoothies, she would gobble them down. She would just drink it up like, I'm like, wait a minute. Now this isn't making sense. Why does she have an appetite when I give her the smoothies that she's not eating here? My mom was always um, lactose intolerant and all this stuff. And I discovered and by catching them, uh, they were giving her dairy, cheese, butter, all, ice cream, all these things, milk, when I wasn't in there visiting with her. And um, they had also lost the bottom uh, portion of her denture. So she wasn't able to chew. It might have been better for her that she wasn't able to chew that because it might have saved her life and kept her system, her, her colon from backing up. So I brought mm-hmm. her home on December 15, 2013, and revamped her entire life. I detoxed her. I got her, um, I did some chelation therapy with her to pull metals out of her. She had years of um, taking medications because she was bipolar, and uh, she took a lot of lithium and different uh, drugs. Uh, in the 80s, she was one of the spearheads of the guinea pigs um, for those experiments for manic depressive drugs. So I'd bring her home, and literally, uh, you know, they had her on all the synthetic iron, and her stool was black because she was constipated or diarrhea. It was one of the other drastic extremes every day. So for the first three weeks to a month, I detoxed her and just gave her um, lices, like super smoothies and things like that. You know, fast forward, that was just over a year and some months ago. Um, they, she was also in a wheelchair from a, uh, a blood clot, clot complication in the back of her knee. Mm-hmm. And I got her out of the chair and I made her walk. Cause they tongue in cheek said, well, if you think you can do it, you can come in. And I did. I got her out of there and I got her um, going again. And I asked her, do you want to live or do you want to die? Because she really was on the brink of death. And um, mm-hmm. I said, because if you want to die, it's okay, Mom. I know you're in your 80s and you've had some rights, you know, and I'll be okay. You know, you don't have to hang off to me. And she said, no, I want to live. I said, well, then you do what I tell you. And she did. You know, that she grew up eating chitlins, hog moths, fried chicken, fish, you know, everything, you know. And now she has this clean lifestyle. The uh, Rutgers Behavioral Health are baffled. They're like, what in the world? And, What's um, going on here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So is she still on any medications? I know you did a detox and it's been Nothing. you said since two thousand eight, eight drugs gone over a year ago. And I you know, and I kinda say that like because you know they'll come after me after a while. You know how that goes. <laughs> right. That big old pharma mafia. So no, she's not on anything. I don't even give her multivitamin supplement. Hey, Hippocrates couldn't say it better, like food be by medicine, medicine right. be by food. The plants yes. are medicine. I give her, if I need iodine, you know, she gets dull flakes in her food. If I need, uh, um, you know, omega-3s or something, then she'll get some ground flax seeds and she'll get some chia and she'll get some hemp seeds. You know, if I need, um, I, I, I'm very versed in, and she's very lucky with that because I understand the science of food. So I know what I need to give her, um, you know, um, in terms of what she needs to to keep things going very strongly. 
So there's a lot to be said about that. You know, it's not like I'm just giving her a salad or whatever. I'm concocting some, I mean, I post some some pretty intense uh, drinks on, on, on Facebook. And, you know, she doesn't need, she doesn't need, if I need to give her, you know, some extra little nutrients that I might, you know, think, hmm, maybe today is good for her to have moringa powder, you know. And so I'll put that in mm-hmm. something. But I don't, I don't have things every single day of something. I don't really believe in that when people get stuck on, well, I'm just going to have this every day. Because if you excess in an area, you will be deficient in another. So what do you recommend for someone who is vegan curious and they really, they're not really sure if this is a lifestyle for them, but they, they're willing to try it out? What tips would you recommend for someone like that? I would say be kind to yourself. Don't be like that sad dieter who is like, oh, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in six months. And, you know, you find yourself at IHOP, like chowing down on bacon and sausage and pancakes. And then you think, well, I've already ruined it, so I might as well just keep on this. Don't do that. Because it's not about the crash. It's about how quickly you can pick yourself up and get back on track. Always keep your eye on the prize and look forward. Always plan your meals ahead. Um, always make a little bit more, like think ahead. I'm always kind of, you know, they say men just think about sex every 11 seconds. I think about food every 11 seconds. And I use my <laughs> energies in that, you know. And, and so I'm always, and I'm on this and I'm on that. And it really becomes a labor of love. And because what I realize and what you come to understand is that this, this whole world that you're creating is not just for you. It's for all the things around you. It's for your offspring. If you have children, it's for the, your, your, your significant other. And it does a lot of uh, positive effect. It has a, a, a ripple effect of goodness all across the board. And it makes you happy. It makes you feel good. And everybody wants to feel good. And being smart and knowing how to spend your money wisely and go shopping and buy the things that you need and not waste money and not overspend People go out and they buy like half a half an acre of produce and come home. They're like, "Look what I bought!" And in like five days, it's all rotting because they can't eat all that fiber that fast. So, um, you know, with my mom, it's just like you know, like I said, leaps and bounds. We've been on television, we've been in social media, we're going places with this, and I hope to raise the bar for elder care worldwide, and especially the dietary systems in these facilities. We finished a short film documentary. Um, uh, in October, which is an edit, and that's going to be called A Mother's Love Returns, and it really gets in-depth. I allow the cameras in here, like a reality show, to uh, film what really goes on in this house and how I managed to have uh, a full and amazingly colorful life and a happy life while taking care of someone with Alzheimer's. So my whole uh, mission with that is to break the, um, the, the prejudices and the fears of taking care of a loved one or just loving them and not even being the caregiver of someone with a mentally debilitating disease or, or a disease that, you know, strips them of their memory. And there's a lot of things I do that will be um, very helpful to a lot of people in that short film documentary, and that should uh, air everywhere. Right? You know, when we get when we get that going, it'll 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 you know, it'll it'll be around. People are going to want to see that. Absolutely. She, yeah. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? I really really appreciate your time. You shared a lot of wisdom, just like I thought you would. It's a lifestyle. It's a new journey you take on. It's not something you do for five months, six months. It's a it's a new lifestyle. It's a new way of thinking. As I said earlier, it's a paradigm shift. It's a shift of thought. 
And I've just developed my own balance of, well, I want a little cooked today. I want a little raw today. I want a little cooked tomorrow. I want raw for the week. I want, you know, and I don't have any set rules. And it works beautifully that way because I never feel deprived and because this is about freedom and liberation. But I'll say, you know, you have to ask yourself some questions, some serious questions and look around you. All you have to do is you don't even have to look far. Just look over to your partner on the side, and, you know, who may not be vegan and see what they're going through and, and look around, you know, go outside the state of the world, the way people are. This is a lower self situation, and we're in a pandemic crisis worldwide, you know, and a lot of it has to do with taking in the adrenaline of an animal that has been killed. You know, see, people don't understand, and I'm just going to leave it with this and make people marinate on this a minute. People have this crazy notion that as long as I cook it and put it on the grill or in the oven or in the pan or did it and heat it up, all is well. It's not. The whole idea of an animal and eating animal flesh, when you have an animal that is secreting estrogen, testosterone, and all this, and you've got this animal about to be killed, they go into fight-or-flight mode. The adrenaline and cortisol released into their body stays in the flesh, and it's systemic. Mm -hmm. So when you eat that, you are taking in that animal's energy. You're taking in that fear. You're taking in that... um, you, we are what we eat. That's the best way to close it. We are what we eat. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Brown Vegan Podcast. Visit brownveganpodcast.com to get the resources mentioned in this episode. While you're there, join the Brown Vegan VIP list for a weekly newsletter and free vegan classes.